All right, welcome to Cocktails and Scenes. My name is Will. Hey guys, I'm Wayne. Wayne, how are you this evening? Um, not drunk enough. Yeah, that's the one thing about kind of doing them right after work is that we can't be drinking all day during work <laughs> to pregame it. So I, yeah, I mean, this isn't Mad Men. Yeah, yeah, it is not. Unfortunately, as much as no. I think I do look like John Hamm, I get it all the time. <laughs> but uh, as much as we both work at an advertising agency, <laughs> we can't just drink yeah. whiskey all day. Unfortunately, not. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll have to drink up throughout the episode, uh, which is a fun one, and and I'm looking forward to it. So today we are. Uh, going to talk about uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, the newest Marvel movie that we both have seen. Uh, I saw it twice now, actually. Um, yeah. And Wayne has seen this last Sunday, so excited He's to... an overachiever. You're an overachiever. Overachiever, yeah. Well, Lauren <laughs> couldn't go the first time, and then she really wanted to go, so I wanted to... Oh, yeah, and yeah. I, I would have gone twice by myself, yeah. who am I kidding? But, I mean... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, before we do, let's get in to our cocktails that we are drinking today in honor of Shang-Chi. Uh, what mm-hmm. did you go with today? Um, I went with a drink that I found on the internet called Chinese Fizz. Interesting. Let's, let's hear what's in it. Um, lots of fun stuff, really. Uh, so we've got rum, grenadine, cherry, lime, or lemon juice, excuse me, um, couple other stuff, triple sec, a little dash of bitters, and best of all, it's got a uh, little bit of egg white in it for some fizzies. And um, I didn't really have the shaker to shake up the egg white, so this may be more of a Chinese snot drink, but okay. we'll see. Well, Chinese snot egg white in it, huh? Ooh, that's delicious. That fizzes up cocktails, egg white? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Gives it that frothy, frothy thing on the top. Frothy thing. How is it? Mm-hmm. Good? It's actually really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cheers. I'll have to make you one. Cheers. Cheers. So what are you drinking, my friend? All right. I went with, uh, we'll start getting to spoilers in the movie now. Uh, <laughs> wow. That was, we're fast. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're listening to this episode, I, I would hope you've seen this movie so we can uh, talk about it. But Guys, uh, there's spoiler alert. Spoiler yeah. alert. There's spoilers. Their spoilers coming. So there's a song that features very prevalently in this movie, and it is Hotel California. <laughs> so I have a cocktail called the Hotel California. Ooh, uh, good. Nice. Yeah, it has uh, tequila, uh, two ounces of mandarin juice, which I thought was funny, too, because that also fits the mandarin. Yes, it also um, fits very yeah, well. He's not a chicken dish. Uh, <laughs> pineapple juice and champagne. Oh, um, champagne. You yeah. just have that lay, laying around, I'm sure. Yeah, so right. I had everything besides uh, mandarin juice, which uh, I had to buy at the store. But uh, other oh, okay. than that, that was good. But I uh, went to the store quick, got some mandarin juice, and fixed myself mm-hmm. up a Hotel California. I like that. That's a deep cut for this, like a deep cut cocktail for this movie. You can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave. <laughs> Uh, funny story about that. So the song is featured in the movie. Uh, I was listening to a podcast with Simo Liu. The star was on it and he talked about how they had to pitch the Eagles on. Yeah. Including the song, because I guess they don't use their songs in very many movies or TV shows or anything. So they had to actually pitch the actual Eagles to like really, really try hard to get this song in. So, um, it was, uh, I, I couldn't think of a, a cocktail that was related to it. And then I thought about my favorite parts of the movie and the Hotel California parts are, are oh, some of them for sure. Yeah, so. That's a great part. Great yeah. scene. Yeah. So we'll get into that. Um, so before we do, before we get into Shang-Chi here, again, uh, spoilers, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, you know, we'll mm-hmm. be diving into every part of it. But before we do, make sure you follow us on social guys, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh Leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Really helps and uh, mm-hmm. appreciate it. We I know we kind of were uh, hit and miss throughout the summer, but we're gonna try and get back on a normal schedule here and really uh, try to get this thing going. So appreciate any of the help and uh, and following on social and leaving us reviews certainly does that. All 
right, so let's get into it. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So, uh, summary here. Martial arts master Shang-Chi confronts the past he thought he left behind when he's drawn into the web of the mysterious Ten Rings organization. Ooh. Uh, this movie is directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, uh, with a screenplay written by him, Dave Callahan, and Andrew Lahan. Uh, this is Marvel's first Asian-American hero um, mm-hmm. in the leading role, uh, played by Sima Leo, uh, who's who's great, and it's actually a very funny story, him getting the role, because he actually tweeted at Marvel years ago before this movie was even casting, <laughs> and said, Marvel, are we going to talk about this or what, Shang-Chi? Yeah, 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 yeah. So now there's a running joke, anyone who wants to get casted or anything just does that to Marvel all the time. Oh, just yeah. Just says, hey, Marvel, are we going to talk or what, but... Uh, Waiting for the call, bro. Exactly. Uh, Another one that was delayed, was delayed, was originally supposed to come out in May, got pushed Mm -hmm. to July. Black Widow got pushed back to July, so they had to get pushed back again. So it got pushed back to September, Labor Day weekend. Has been a big hit. Uh, Box office record for Labor Day weekend, and that's not pandemic Mm -hmm. era. It's, It's... all time across the board yeah yep. usually not a huge movie weekend but still particularly with what's going on in the world right now very impressive 94 million dollars mm-hmm. over labor day weekend the critical reception has been great 92 percent on rotten tomatoes uh the critic score and the audience score is 98 percent, which is the highest of any marvel movie to date uh, wow so uh, wow over- overall box office uh roughly about 180 million right now uh, it's mm-hmm. about to be. It's about to pass Black Widow and be the highest-grossing movie of the year. Black Widow was 183, mm-hmm. so it's right there, and very likely to be the first 200 million dollar movie of the year. And that's we're talking yeah. the best domestically only. Um, right. So very impressive. Um, mm-hmm. It's gotten a lot of movies to kind of counteract to its success. Uh, Marvel's other movie, Eternal, says it's definitely releasing in theaters. Disney said that all of their releases for the rest of the year are strictly theaters. Um, mm-hmm. Venom, which actually was supposed to, it got pushed back to January, said, nope, I think we're going to be okay, and pushed back up to October. So yep. a lot of people are saying, you know, long term, this could be a big story about how this may have saved the movie theater business a little bit, and that might be mm-hmm. a little bit of hyperbole, but... Um, it could be. How was the uh, theater you went? You went on like a Sunday morning, so I'm sure it wasn't too, too packed. Uh, it was actually a little bit more packed than I thought it was going to be, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, could, I couldn't, you know, and I could judge that by, you know, pandemic in the theater standards, which is I yeah. can't get right in the middle of a theater. <laughs> so yeah. I have to like go off to this either one of the sides. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was great in the theater. I highly suggest seeing this in the theater. Yeah. Um, and because uh, it wasn't bad. And, you know, we've got a lot of, uh, you know, precautions nowadays. Just keep yourself safe, as always. As always. As always. Yeah. I saw it twice. Like I said, the first time I saw it opening night Thursday, they actually mm-hmm. gave me like a really cool poster that I framed and it looks awesome. And wow. And that night, the theater was absolutely packed. There was cheers and crowd getting into it which is awesome mm. to an extent sometimes it gets oh too i missed that man yeah it I was cool it was bit. cool sometimes it gets a little too much but uh it yeah. is cool uh that was really nice and the second time i went was probably two weeks after it came out with laura my mm-hmm. wife and uh it was still you know there was a lot of people to see it and it, it didn't have the first weekend drop off that black widow did so black widow actually right. had a bigger opening weekend but mm-hmm. it dropped off so hard week to week and this didn't um, I think partially because Black Widow was streaming and this wasn't. This was a right, a strictly right. theater release. Uh, it's only going to be the theater for 45 days before it goes to streaming. Um, mm-hmm. There was a big story in the news, actually, that the president of Disney said that this is a good experiment. And uh-huh. a lot of people took a lot of offense to that because they just, you know, it's a big thing for Marvel and and mm-hmm. Asian moviegoers and, you know, similar yep. to what Black Panther did for African-American community. This is doing for the Asian-Americans right. and didn't necessarily want this big first movie to be called an experiment, which I totally understand. And I think it may have been a semantical thing that it kind of got lost in there. Yeah. But, um, yeah. But yeah, 45 days, it's going to be in the theater. So that's what everyone else thought about it. Obviously, it's been a big hit. I want to know what you thought about it, Wayne. What's your overall thoughts on the movie? I've got a lot to talk about this about this movie. Um, I'll say just like initial thought wise, uh, 
it completely surprised me how much I liked this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, back, oh, what was it, like two years ago when Marvel decided to release their phase, what is this, phase two now? Phase three? This is phase four now. Yep, I was close. Yep. <laughs> yeah, phase, phase four. four. Yep. All right, so when they came out of phase four, I was like, I don't know any of these characters. I can't follow any of this stuff. I've never read the comics on this stuff. They're not big characters. And also, you have all of these you know, movies that you've already created that we've fallen in love with the characters and why aren't we doing more of that? So it was, it was a lot of like questioning, you know, is this going to be good? Am I going to like it? Am I going to not? Yeah. However, I do feel like this movie did two things for me. One is it gave me that entertainment and that action that I was craving in Marvel movies. And two, it changed my mind on the next phase of Marvel movies, right? Like it made me realize they are, they know what they're doing and they are on a good track to make another set of Marvel movies that are going to be as good or even better than the last phase. Yeah. Um, so I agree. I really liked it. Um, Surprising to me just in the fact that this this is one character I didn't know about. I think I'm a little bit more deep mm-hmm. into the Marvel lore than you are, but I still didn't know anything about this character. Right. Um, you read a lot about the character and the history of the character and the history of some of these other characters in the movie, and there seemed to be a lot of old racial stereotypes that were in the comics that they really mm-hmm. corrected here for the big screen, which was good. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I know there's a character named Fu Manchu that they just we're like this is ridiculous we're not including this. yeah Even- we kind of touch based on that a little bit in the movie right with mandarin with mandarin yeah so and and that's even uh they've learned their lesson from iron man 3 because on iron man 3 mm-hmm. they just called him the mandarin and that was still supposed to be his name and then obviously mm-hmm. his name now is wen wu he's shang chi's father he's kind of the big villain of the movie and right. he talks about it in the movie that uh ben kingsley's character trevor the actor who imitated him in iron man 3 Mm-hmm. he's like yeah he didn't even know my real name he just used my name as the mandarin like i was a chicken dish so <laughs> um, yeah. and the mandarin in, in comics is even bigger than they kind of do it here it's actually usually like a gigantic iron man bill it's probably like yeah yeah joker to batman iron man to the mandarin right and right. Uh, so they did correct that and i think some people were upset right away but when you see Wenwu in this movie you will not be uh he's the highlight of the movie for me we'll get into that a little bit later but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I agree with your overall premise of like new characters and new things, but you have to always go back to guardians of the galaxy when that came out. Right. And no one knew anything about guardians of the galaxy. Very Mm -hmm. few deep comic people did. And I think that movie to me proved early on that they can introduce new characters. And now it's to the point where I want to see more and more new characters. And yeah, uh, Disney plus is doing a great job of that. And right. Really doing some good character development and um, bringing back some old characters too, but really developing new ones at the same time. And uh, this one, you know, for sure is one of the first ones in a while where I kind of knew nothing going in. Um, And I loved it. I thought it was unique. I thought, um, you know, there's some things I didn't love, but for the most part, I was blown away by it to the point Mm -hmm. of, you know, we'll get into it later, but it's very high up there in Marvel for me, specifically very high up on Marvel origin stories. The first one of our franchise, Mm -hmm. not some big team up movie. All right. So let's get into it. Um, I want to start with the performance of Simu Liu as the title character. Uh, What did you think of Simu as Shang-Chi? I thought he did a great job, man. He was um, believable as this kid who, you know, came from, um, this really hardcore martial arts family and tried to live, you know, a decade with, you know, kind of like quote unquote normal everyday people, um, and kind of hiding his past a little bit. Uh, I thought he did a great job with the acting part. I feel like where he stood out was in the action scenes. Um, the action, especially, you know, like the bus scene, the bamboo on the side of the, the roof on the side of the building. Yeah. Um, two best those scenes. scenes yeah. two, two of the best fight scenes in the movie. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I could talk a lot about that, those both those scenes and why I love them. Yeah. Um, but in, in relation to Simu Liu, right? Did I say that right? Yeah. Uh, he just has this really good 
charisma for stunt work, you know, like his stunts. I mean, I was immediately taken back to Jackie Chan, Jet Li, Bruce Lee, all of those influences that you can clearly see in this movie. Yeah. Um, And he just, he, he kind of like is the best of both worlds, right? Like they drop a lot of this modern kind of comedy humor on us, but then they're pulling from these, these, I mean, greats like Jackie Chan, Jet Li, they're, they're, you know, I grew up on those guys. They're, they're the greats in the world of stunts. Um, and, uh, and just, yeah, I just got that impression from him where he was kind of like, especially the bus scene where he was kind of like, oh shit, I haven't really fought like this. And like, a decade. I really don't know what I'm doing. It was a little messy. Like he's like using the environment around him. That's, that's, so that's what I was about to say. That's so Jackie Chan. So I, I think the most thing yes. I saw was Jackie Chan. And that's because you see like Jackie Chan when he's fighting, he's using the things around him. And all of a sudden he's got the, Oh mm-hmm. shit, what's going on? Look on his mm-hmm. face. And he panics and grabs something. And, and <laughs> exactly. you know, it's like improvising. It's like the parkour of, of fighting. Right. And right. Um, so I think it was very Jackie Chan. That's the kind of the top comparison I've seen. I think the directors have even talked about that influence, which I think mm-hmm. is clear and the humor is there. I thought Simu was great in those sequences and I thought he was great in the emotional stuff with his father, their friendship mm-hmm. with Katie. I thought he was so charismatic, so likable. Um, I, I can't wait to see more of him and thought he was a great lead and, Agreed. um, you know, was very, very happy with his performance. You never know. I mean, he, he only really his big thing. He's in uh, Kim's Convenience, which is a show on Netflix, I believe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is pretty popular. I haven't seen it, but I heard it's very funny. Um, but uh, other than that, he really hasn't, you know, got a chance to shine. I mean, so relatively unknown. He did. Uh, he did some stunts in a Fall Out Boy music video in 2014. Oh no way! Sick. He also yeah. did. You see the um, uh, it's, what do you call them? Like Getty Images. Yeah, he was yeah. like a Getty image model. <laughs> so all, <laughs> all these are getting dug up of like all of his uh, stock photo modeling days. Oh, They're very, yeah, very yeah. funny. Yeah. Look, very man, funny. Simu, those days are behind you, brother. Yeah. No more stock. No more stock image. <laughs> yeah. He's uh, easy. Safe to say he's got a big uh, career ahead of him, particularly with Marvel here, because, you know, like we talked about with the success sequels and team ups yeah. are inevitable here. So. Um, want to talk a little bit about uh, the rest of his family. So his sister, yep. uh, Manger Zhang, uh, played Zai Ling. And mm-hmm. I'll say right now, apologies for any mispronunciations, although I think we're doing a pretty decent job so far. Yeah. Um, what did you think of his sister? Uh, there was things I liked about her and things I felt like fell flat mm-hmm. with her. Um, I feel like we didn't really get to see a whole lot of her character development near as much as I would like to have seen, especially towards the end. I feel like there was always like this underlying thing with her where she's not giving us everything. She's kind of like untrustworthy in a lot of ways because she just came back into the scene. Um, It wasn't to me, it wasn't like overly given to us that she was like turning a corner. Right. Like it, it kind of felt like she had her own agenda at times. If that's what they were trying to do. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's it. I think that's what they're trying to do. I mean, they kind of don't even really talk about her until, uh, you know, his, his, uh, pendant gets stolen. And then he talks about the Mm -hmm. postcard and Mm -hmm. goes to her, you know, underground fight club. Uh, right. And, I think that they did a good job of kind of leaving a little bit mystery there because this is someone who's mm-hmm. obviously felt very scorned. Um, she felt portrayed by her brother for leaving. Yep. You know, he said he'd be back in three days or whatever mm-hmm. and weeks turned into months and, and then, you know, feels still heartbroken over loss of her mother. And, you know, the, obviously the relationship with the father with both of them is very complicated. Uh, so yes, very I think, I think you're not really supposed to entirely know what her agenda is because maybe she doesn't mm-hmm. even know. And, um, you know, she, you can see in the end, she clearly has love for her brother, but there's also that there's a scene there at the end. Um, you know, we'll get to it, but when, when Wu dies, she kind of gives her brother a look like, did you just kill our mm-hmm. dad? Like, mm-hmm. and then there's obviously the post credit scene, which we'll talk about too, which, you know, maybe mm-hmm. she's becoming sort of a villainous role. Maybe she's not. Uh, I really liked her too. I think, uh, this is actually her first role movies anywhere. Um, wow. she's never been in the movie ever. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, just talking, well, I'll just say now the post credit scene, the second post credit scene is 
it's her kind of taking over the organization. And, and so clearly they have some plans to use her some more in the future. But yep. um, I thought she was good. You know, they, obviously the big storyline there was how she kind of didn't get to train with the boys growing up and, you right. know, she felt scorned from her father by that and kind of felt left out. And Yeah, daddy made a boys club. Daddy made a boys club and uh, she kind of put mm-hmm. a stomp to that real quick at the end. So She did. Um, she did. You could tell that theme, though. That was anytime you kind of like talked about her, that that theme kept coming up, especially with, um, you know, when Michelle Yao was at the 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 uh, the village towards the end. Yeah, yeah, she was like, you know, oh, we train both men and women here, and really badass like lore beasts from China. So you're accepted. Yep. Yep. Sure do. All right, let's round out the family. I mean, well, we could talk about uh, their mother, who was in just really the first scene, but she mm-hmm. was very good as well. Fala Chen is her name. She played Lee. That great, great kind of fight scene in the beginning with with Wenwu, uh, mm-hmm. who you know makes her fall in love with him, and she was really good in a limited role. But uh, want to talk about Wenwu, uh, played by Tony Leung, uh, because for me, this is the highlight of the movie. I mean, dude, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. There was, uh, I mean, outside of the action, we're going to talk like roles and um, characters. He was amazing as a character, as a character actor. We can see him in hard boiled internal affairs, which later became the departed uh, by Martin Scorsese. He's one of the most well-known Hong Kong Chinese actors. I think in all of Asia. I think he's the yeah. biggest biggest movie star in Asia, I think. Um, yeah. from everything I read, I haven't seen, you know, any of his movies, uh, admittedly. This is his mm. first big Hollywood movie. Um, but he's incredible. He He's like, incredible, man. He yeah. plays this role perfectly in a such a complicated role because there are times where you you really feel for him and you are. Oh, totally, totally feel for him. He's very conflicted. And there's, there's a lot of times where you not necessarily understand what he's doing, but why he's doing it. And Mm -hmm. it's very complex because at the beginning of the movie, he falls in love with Lee. uh, So uh, Sean and Jai Ling's uh, mother. Mm -hmm. And Mm Before that, he has the Ten Rings. He's kind of running rampant for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not being the best guy. And this woman and love mm-hmm. makes him stop all that and say, hey, I'm turning over a new leaf. This is someone to grow old with, start a family with. Right. And then towards the end of the movie, you know, when he hears her voice beyond that wall, and it's really delusions, but it's love still that's driving him to do oh, this. So absolutely. It's this love for this woman that made him kind of give up his villainous ways, but then it's also his love for this same person that is guiding him to do something that is kind of bringing him back to his old self. So it's kind of coming mm-hmm. full circle and it's all driven by, you know, all of his care and love for this one woman. And it's really mm-hmm. interesting because I think Marvel's villains have not, that's been a problem in a lot of the movies, but I think mm-hmm. the best ones are ones that have, you're kind of like, okay, maybe I get it. So like Killmonger right. and Black Panther, uh, Michael Keaton's character in Spider-Man, like they're driven by love of family and, yeah. and so you kind of get along with their message, but maybe just not how they're going about it. Right. 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 I mean, really like that's the thing that's relatable to him is his love for his wife, which I think at, at, at times until maybe closer to the end drove him to a point of obsession where he forgot about his kids and he forgot about how much he loved his kids because he'd been, you know, spending his entire life building up this revenge on the person that, I mean, you know, yeah, you're sorry. I just, you're absolutely right. uh, Because there's that one line in the movie where Shang-Chi says, your family needs you. Like yeah. the family that's still here needs you. So you're right. He right. has forgotten about them just because he's so tunnel vision by this one thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and he plays it so well. Tony plays it so well that even at times when I was like, oh, he might just he might just be like playing them or, you know, especially when they first get back to the compound 
and he's like telling them all this story. I'm like, oh, he's playing them. But then it's like, no, I don't think he is. Like this guy is playing this character so well that I'm actually like believing that he believes that this voice is telling him what to do, right? Like, oh yeah, he has so much like passion in just the love of his wife and her returning that he accepts this. Like, yeah, I get it, dude. I've been on this on this earth for a thousand years. I got these badass like cock rings <laughs> on my damn arms, five of them each arm. Yeah, bro, and. uh I believe that there's a voice of my wife telling me to go inside some dragon den and, and get her out. Yep. And he makes it so believable, man. You're just like, yeah, dude, you guys need to go like go. Yeah. He's just every single word, every single word of his dialogue is, is powerful. My favorite mm-hmm. line of the whole, maybe the whole movie is when Chong Chi says, I'm not afraid of you. And he goes, yes, you are like, yeah, it is. He just delivers everything with such purpose. And, uh, it, yeah. it's, it, if it's not my favorite Marvel villain, he's right up there. I yeah. it's bummer that he died. Uh, I think maybe we'll see some flashbacks or something. I, I I don't think we'll see the last of them just because it's a waste of performance. I do keep, I do hope they keep him dead. I don't I hope they don't do some sort of yeah resurrect him. I want yeah. these things to matter, but um, I right. do think that we'll see some sort of flashback, and I hope so because uh, just what a performance. I mean, the performance at the dinner table, like we talked about before, when he talks about the Mandarin. Right. Uh, it's just, it's so strong and I, I want to watch more Tony Young movies now. Um, you should, you should yeah. go watch hard boiled tonight Yeah, because hard boiled is amazing. It's uh such a good performance and hopefully we see more of him, uh, in, uh, Hollywood now because I, I, he's one that, uh, I think this movie, if there's a, maybe an outside chance for an Oscar nom, it could be his mm-hmm. performance. Agreed. All right, so let's move on. Uh, talking about the kind of the same thing, so with Wenwu and his organization, the Ten Rings and the Marvel tie-ins, mm-hmm. I know you said you had some kind of stuff you wanted to talk about there. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it I kind of touched base on a little bit in the introduction where I feel like this was a great, like, I don't want to say experiment, of course, because that's the wrong thing to say. But <laughs> yeah. it is like, it was affirmation that this that Marvel can carry on a story with new characters and new setting and still keep your interest. Yeah, um, absolutely. I love the little like this movie has a lot of like the little tidbit Marvel pieces, right? Like most of all, I feel like it's a badass action movie. Um, Marvel kind of took like a little bit of a second um like a, a second topic to me in the movie because it was just like it was like little things here and there because I was so concentrated on the story of the family and yeah. the action scenes and the stunts and the Chinese lore and just all of that stuff kind of mixed together that Marvel kind of took like a little bit of a a, a back seat which is fine like totally because yeah it I mean it 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 concentrated on what was important. It needed to concentrate on building this origin story of this like really cool superhero. And they, they did it in a great way. Um, I mean, one of my, one of my favorite parts of the, the Marvel universe that they plucked out of this and put in this movie is, uh, Trevor. Yeah. Trevor's, (laughs) Trevor's great. And I want to talk about Trevor. We'll get to him in a second. Um, but it's really interesting because I think with all these movies, and I think this movie did a great job of it, it's a balancing act because you need to stand alone as your own mm-hmm. movie. But at the same time, let's call a spade a spade, part of what's made this series of movies unique is its interconnectedness and how yeah, you know, it's all in the same universe. Like No movie franchise has ever done that, particularly not over 25 movies like the MCU has. So Right. Uh, it's a balancing act. And and I think a lot of people actually thought this movie would have like nothing to do with anything of like Marvel lore, but it's actually mm-hmm. very, very important. Um, it is. And I don't think we know that yet. I yeah. think that there's going to be a lot to, to come in the actual lore side of this movie. There's a lot to come. And that's why I think it was kind of good that they did it, that part mainly towards the end of the movie. And in the post credit scene, 
with mm-hmm. Mark Ruffalo and Brie Larson, Bruce Banner and, and Captain Marvel right. and Wong. Um, but I do think that it does stand alone where I think even if this movie didn't have any of the Marvel tie-ins and didn't, it was just a standalone movie without any Marvel tag on it, I think it could be a successful franchise. I really do. I totally agree with you um, on that. So I think it stands alone and now ties into Marvel in, in a strong way. Um, and what mm-hmm. I liked about it, too, is that it did tie into some older movies. Iron Man 3 is probably the biggest tie-in, like you said, mm-hmm. with Ben Kingsley, and we'll get to him in a second. Also, I mean, you see the Ten Rings in Iron Man 1, the very first MCU movie, in the first yep. 10 minutes of that movie, the Ten Rings is there. And then right. the second MCU movie is uh, The Incredible Hulk. You see the Abomination, the villain in that movie, which you haven't seen in you right. know, 13 years, um, with his fight with Wong in the uh, in the flight club ring there, which I thought was yeah. interesting. Um, they seem like friends at the end, which was interesting to I me. I think they're friends. Yeah, I think they, we can say they're friends. They or went in colleagues. the same Uber on the way home. The same they did magical Uber did. on the way home. They got, so. they got a group. They got a group Uber, and they <laughs> yeah. headed on back. You know, yeah, it seemed like they were hustling people and just splitting the money that they won from the fight. Because he's like, yeah, sounds like that's such a your punches. Wong, yeah, such a Wong thing to do. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Wong is great. I love Wong. I love his yeah. his role in this movie is great. Um, Let's talk about Trevor. And, you know, we said probably the biggest tie in to these old movies yeah, is absolutely is Ben Kingsley's character in Iron Man three. Um, mm-hmm. So were you completely surprised to see him at that point? Did you know he was in the movie or? Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of spoiled on that part, but yeah, he was uh, on the red the carpet. So, yeah, the yeah. extent of which he was in the movie surprised me. Me too. I, I thought I it was thought, a brief cameo, yeah. Exactly. I thought like, oh, well, we've seen a couple of brief cameos. They've mentioned something here and there, you know, especially about the snap. What did they call it in there? There was like posters on the, the wall. Blip. The, the blip. The blip. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Are you having uh, post-blip anxiety? Call this So number. the snap is when Thanos actually snaps, but the blip is when everybody returns. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, but yeah, I thought there was going to be just maybe a couple uh, scenes with him and that was it. But then he just kept, he was there for like, and he was great comedic relief, man. I don't know. Sir Ben Ben's Kingsley is great. I just love seeing him. Yeah. He is another highlight of the movie for me. Like we said, very prominent in the second act, a huge role mm-hmm. in the second act, which I did not expect. A lot of people did not like the twist in Iron Man three. I'm actually one of the people who had kind of liked it. And I don't love that movie, but I actually kind of like that. You know, they kind of made yeah. this big joke out of it. Um, but for anyone who didn't, I think they would admittedly say that they retcon that character and that story in this movie with number one, yeah. you don't want Ben Kingsley to be the actual Mandarin in right. that movie because Tony Leung and Wen Wu is so great. But two, he's just so fucking funny in this movie. He had he is me so funny cackling in the theater the part the speech about the planet of the apes and when he first saw planet of the apes (laughs) and the apes really acting is so funny everything with morris is great uh lauren is dying for a stuffed animal morris i know Uh, morris and like best couple of the movie probably uh, would be morris and trevor they're the power duo for sure power duo when kingsley plays dead at the end he's like it's just a performance (laughs) get down here with me uh it is so great. Uh, he he was amazing. Yeah, I, I do wish it kind of didn't get spoiled because I did see him on the red carpet. And, right, it, right. and up until then, so up until like a week before the movie aired, I was like, you know, I would have been completely shocked. But um, he was very, very funny. So likable. And like I said, I think anyone who had that bad taste in their mouth with him and Iron Man, I mm. think they'll feel a little bit differently watching this one because... Oh my God, he uh, he stole the show for a bit there. <laughs> he did. He, he he totally did. Yeah. Um, one more character I want to talk about. We haven't talked about Aquafina. As I knew it. I knew this was coming. Yeah, yeah. we got to talk about Aquafina. Yeah, talk about comedic relief. Uh, what'd you think of Aquafina? I loved her character. Yeah, I thought she was great. She she had some of the best comedic lines. The delivery was really good. Um, she brought the modern into the movie i feel like you know with a lot of the stuff yeah uh, a lot of the the content of the jokes was very very modern she dressed modern you know she was like she's like that observer that comes in that has no idea what's going on i mean she's dragged into this crazy like you know fantasy world that they they have and then the 
at the compound of the Ten Rings, and she's yeah. just kind of like the outside observer that she just come in. And she's like, "What the fuck is going on? Like, yeah, <laughs> this is insane." Yeah. Um, and she does a great job at it. And I also loved that she was kind of like the love interest in this movie. Like, is she the love interest? Because we didn't. I like, don't get think that she is, and I hope that she's not. I love that they're friends, and I hope. Yeah. I and I think that male female friendships in movies should be played like this more and i hope they don't go there maybe they will later with their um, budding romance let's just I say not. i hope not i let me just say they don't have to like yeah i don't right like that's a question i'm sure everybody was asking themselves like is this going to turn into something um but just the fact that she was you know his right hand girl and she was there and they they she was hilarious, man. I mean, what did you feel? Uh, how did you like Aquafina? I thought she was great too. I, I admittedly have not been a fan of some of the stuff she's done in the past, and um, but I thought she was perfect for this movie, perfect for this role. I, you know, I to me, there's the performances are the strongest part of this movie, and there's really not mm-hmm. a weak one in there. Um, I think they balanced it well to the point of I don't know who I would have wanted to see more of. Maybe the archer, uh, the old man archer guy that trained her. <laughs> I would have liked to see. <laughs> I would have liked to see more of him. I got a good kick yeah, out of yeah. him. Um, but no, I I think her performance is really great. Really great comedic relief at times. The part on the plane when she's like, "You change your name from Shang to Sean. No wonder yeah, your yeah. dad found you." Like uh, <laughs> that's they, like saying your name's Gina and you change it to Gina. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was hilarious. Uh, oh, the she, the plane scene where he's like telling this like crazy in depth story of his life, and then she's like, "Beef, chicken, or vegetarian?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. So, I, I I don't have a problem with any performances, her not being one of them. But I do want to get into any problems that you did have with the movie. I'll start with mine just because it has to do with Aquafina. Okay. And Go it's, for it. it's the arrow shot at the end. Uh, oh. It just is a little bit unbelievable. I get the fact that there's some luck in it. Sure. Um, you know, she basically is the reason that a mythical dragon, you know, mm. meets its maker at the end. And, it, you know, direct shot. She doesn't kill it, but she needed to hit the neck to weaken it. And it's just one shot and mm. all that. A little it, bit. It built up. It built up to that quite a bit with her. Like, I can't shoot. I yeah. need a point in life. You I know, wasn't that was kinda... wasn't crazy about that part. Um, I, I think the third act in general got again, kind of like I said with Black Widow, how, you know, at the end of the movie, it's built on all this like realistic James Bond Mission Impossible action. This is built on mm. martial arts and all these great fight scenes. And then the end, it kind of gets a little over top. I, but I'm going to contradict myself because I also didn't mind like the dragons and stuff. Like I thought that was cool. Oh, that was so sweet. <laughs> I love the. I would have liked you know a big kind of martial arts uh-huh. ending climax. I guess so. That's really my big thing. Is the third act is it, I don't love as much as I did the rest of the movie, but it's a very minor complaint in the movie that I otherwise uh, loved. I'm with you. The best fighting action scenes are the bus and the side of the building uh, are amazing. Um, But uh, what about you? Any problems with this movie? Anything stick out? Performance scene? (sighs) The only real problem I had with this movie was not the character, but just how I just had a hard time believing this razor fist. (laughs) <laughs> not the character of razor fist like a dude with half an arm that a razor comes out that's pretty standard in marvel movies i get yeah. it yeah but but who is this hipster dude from instagram that's just hanging out with this like pin rings <laughs> thousand year old asian guy like what the hell like <laughs> yeah he was modeling need- jeans yesterday now he's <laughs> razor fist we need like, some no. more. We need some more info on Razor Fist. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, I gotta have that origin story of how like just this random dude showed up on Ten Rings doorstep and was like, "Uh, yo, what up, dude? I'm missing an arm. I would like it to be replaced with a sword that cuts through metal. Can you hook me up?" Yeah, he he is funny. His car with Razor Fist like spray painted on the side. Yeah. It was like I said, I love the character <laughs> yeah. and how they played into that. But yeah. the one thing that I was like, what the hell? Like was just the person that played Razor yeah. Fist. Where'd this like, guy come from? Uh, yeah. Where'd he come from? Yeah, exactly. Oh, Razor Fist. I think we'll see more of him too. So uh, that's funny. Um, all right. So we talked about a little bit about 
the Marvel tie-ins and, and all that, but let's talk about the future and what those post-credit scenes may bring. So mm-hmm. um, we see at the very end, uh, Wong comes in, gets Shang and Katie um, mm-hmm. back to, uh, oh God, what's it called? Dr. Strange's house. That's good enough for me. Anyway, um, (laughs) and uh, Bruce Banner and uh, Carol Danvers, Brie Larson and Mark Ruffalo are there, and they kind of talk about how the Ten Rings have this beacon Mm. sent out uh, from thousands and thousands of years ago. Mm. So there's our tie-in for sequels, team-ups in the future. What do you Mm. think about the future of these characters? And not only Shang, because it was a big surprise to me that Katie was just as involved in that. She was. That was kind of a surprise too, where he's like, Oh no, you're coming too. Yep. Um Are the rings a part of the Eternals? Were they something left behind by the Eternals? Is that seems it to be a like big that? theory. That seems to be yeah. a big theory of like something that's very, very ancient, and that's movies obviously coming out in November. Right. Um, right. Now we don't know exactly like do the Eternals can they actually make something like that and leave it as a thing for somebody or do they own, have their just their own powers? You know, I mean, there's a lot of questions that are probably going to get, yeah. you know, maybe we'll have more questions that the Eternals come out or something like that. But yeah, um, I, I feel like that's probably going to be the progression of this. He's going to kind of like, we're going to learn about the origin of the 10 rings yeah, and, and they're going to tie into the next couple of movies. Um, you know, and I, I'm I'm good with that. I think that's awesome. I I think they're just this really cool artifact that does some really cool stuff that I would like to have. I mean, I'd be rocking rocking yeah. rings on my arms if I could. They are in the comics. They're actual rings instead of like you know bands that go around your arm. And each one of them ah. has like a different power. It's like Captain Planet almost. <laughs> Where it's like water, air, like each one is something different. Okay, uh, so this is better. This is better, yes, this is better. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I had a couple things that stood out to me about that, and I think the Eternals theory is probably good. Um, I'm probably in the same way there. A few things that stuck out to me about that credit scene. One is kind of about, it goes in line with one of my complaints about the movie, is when they're like, oh, both of you are now part of this, like, what is Katie mm. going to be like an, an Avenger fighter? Like she had one lucky shot with a bow and arrow. Otherwise than that, she's, you know, she's not like Black yeah. Widow or Hawkeye where she's this trained assassin and obviously she has no power. So that I don't know about. And, uh, but the main thing I want to know from that is how Bruce Banner's Bruce Banner again. And he's not, you know, smart Hulk with Banner and yeah. Hulk combined like he was in Hulk. He's just, old looking Mark Ruffalo again. Holy crap, dude. That's a very good point, man. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. It was just like, yeah, like second nature to me to be like, Oh, it's the Hulk. I know it's Bruce Banner, but I didn't even think like, Holy shit. He changed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other question I had. Uh, A lot of people are also pointing out that, uh, Captain Marvel's hair is a lot longer than the last time we saw her Mm -hmm. in Endgame. Mm -hmm. So how much time has passed? Um, Because she right. had that little mohawk rocking in Endgame. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. as far as that scene goes, the standout to me was the Wong karaoke at the end, <laughs> which was, oh my God, I was, fell in the back of my seat laughing. It was so fun. I know. That was so good. Such a perfect way to end it. Like, Wong, it just, like the yeah. story comes full circle. Um, I oh. think we're going to see like Wong and Doctor Strange are going to be like. I think they're going to tie a lot of this universe together. Yeah. Going forward. Yeah. So what I was thinking before, too, was the Sanctum Santorum is Dr. Stranger's house, which I don't know Uh, if they were there or uh, in uh, Carmitage, which is where, like, the ancient one when all of them train. I don't know which one they were in, but, um, yeah, them singing Hotel California Piss Poor Drunk was just my (laughs) biggest laugh of the movie. Uh, but then there's a second credit scene. There with, is. With Jai yes. Ling. And at the end of the movie, Shang says that she is busy uh, kind of disseminating the Ten Rings mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. making the end to that organization. We see the post credit scene. We see that's kind of not the story. So she's training right. men and women there. And we get the tag. The Ten Rings will continue. So 
My guess is that's probably a Disney Plus show rather than a movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I would agree with that. But, you know, her thought, is she going to be a villain now, do you think? Or do you think she's just kind of power hungry? What's your thoughts on her? This is where I come back to my statement about, like, keeping her mysterious and having her own agenda. I yeah. mean, she ran a uh, fight underground fight ring for how many years? And uh, all of a sudden, you know, fighting with Falcor and uh, <laughs> yeah. the other like lizard the great, dragon, great protector, the great protector uh, changed her like changed her morals. I think that that we kind of saw a little bit of that change uh, in the post credit scene where she's like, you know what, I have I I have come to a crossroads. I can disassemble this 10 rings organization let everybody go and just move on with my life or i can take over it and put women in it and then kind of be just as be way more powerful than i was when i owned a underground fighting ring so you know, I mean, it kind of, like I said, it goes back to like, we don't really know what her agenda is. I don't think that they were clear about that in the movie and wrote that into the story. So she could. I see the Ten Rings continuing on as a villain organization. I don't know how we would be able to kind of like switch gears with them and, and move them over to the hero side. Maybe yeah. as a secondary kind of thing. Oh, like right at the end of a movie, like we call the King Rings. Here they come. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I mean, what do you think, man? What are your thoughts on so, it? So the theory I've read is that they're going to be tied into, there's a Disney Plus show called, coming out called Armor Wars, which is mm -hmm. a comic story that really involves uh, Don Cheadle's character. Okay. And about how Tony Stark's tech and all this kind of gets put in the wrong hands. And it's a comic story that, I think mm -hmm. would maybe tie into that show a little bit. So I think that could be there. I think that she may just be a little bit over her head is my guess. I don't mm -hmm. think she's going to be a straight villain, like, you know, mustache twirling villain. She'll be right. a little bit more complicated than that. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I think obviously with the success of this movie and just that tag alone, I think we'll see a lot more of these characters. So that both post credit scenes were great. Yeah, absolutely. They gave us a little hint into the future. Yeah. All right, with that, let's wrap it up here. Um, I mean, I had in my notes here to talk about who was the best performance slash the MVP of the movie, but are we both in total agreement that it's Tony Leung and it's Wenwu? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. definitely Wenwu, Tony, yeah. Tony Leung. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not to take anything away from Shang-Chi and Simu Liu, who's totally supposed to be you know the main character of this movie. Mm -hmm. It's just it's a it's an incredible performance, and that leads me to my next question, which was Oscar possibilities. There has been a little bit of like, could this be a borderline Best Picture nominee in the way that Black Panther was mm -hmm. the only other MCU movie to be nominated? I actually do see that as a very minor possibility. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, I think the biggest possibility is probably a Best Supporting Actor nom for Tony Young. Outside of sound and editing and and that's where I would choreography put choreography and things movie. like that. Yeah. Um, I would also put the uh, uh, Kim Barrett did the costume design for this movie. I yeah. would also put her up there. She did the Matrix. She did uh, the character or the uh, the costume design for Titan AE. Um, so she could. I mean, the costumes in this movie were absolutely gorgeous. Uh, were re very reminiscent towards the end of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was another like big praise. Yeah. In the costume yep. world, so I think that's that why they it. got. I think that's why they got Michelle Yeoh to to do this, um, which was also mm -hmm. she. Michelle Yeoh has already been in an MCU movie. She's in Guardians of the Galaxy too, so she plays a different role than she mm -hmm. did in that. But I think the influence was so heavy, and they just you know oh, wanted, yeah, you wanted to pay homage to her, and uh, she was great. Uh, again, mm -hmm. another big part of the second act too. But um, all right, uh, anything else on your notes we didn't touch on? No, man. Right. I think we talked a lot about it. You know, I can't talk enough about how much I love this movie. Even if you're not a huge Marvel fan and you haven't followed the Marvel movies and you you can't really like understand some of the nuances to it, 
it's just a fun movie. It's just yeah. a really fun movie. Yeah, I think you'll be able to follow along with 95% of it without seeing anything else. Um, mm-hmm. But that leads us to it. Let's give it a grade. Um, what would you give Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings? Um, I would uh, definitely an A. I'm going to give it an A, and I would give it a plus, except for Razor Fist. <laughs> I want to give it an A plus because of Razor Fist. Uh, <laughs> you uh, bastard. I am actually in full agreement. I'm giving it an A. I, I was borderline A or A minus. I actually wish, going back to Black Widow, I actually wish I gave it a B plus and not an A minus. Because I mm. do like this movie better. I think mm-hmm. that Black Widow's flaws are a lot more prevalent. Um, I agree. And so I would probably give it a uh, if I could do it again, I'd give Black Widow a B plus, and I'm gonna give this an A. Um, I think it's it's surprised. I think surprised us all really, and mm-hmm. and how incredible and how enjoyable and how fun it was. And uh, you know, I saw it twice. I'm planning to see it again, and then it comes on mm-hmm. Disney Plus in 45 days, and I'll watch it again. And very rewatchable. No real dull points in the movie. Like I said, some. Some problems in the third act for me, but they're they're overshadowed by great performances and and I can't wait to see more of them. So um, I think for me, I would say it's uh, it's it's probably a top five Marvel movie now. So I couldn't recommend it more. And like I said, definitely one of the better origin stories. Um, Still not my favorite Winter Soldier for Mm -hmm. ever and always. But Mm -hmm. uh, what about you? Where are you putting it? Um, in Marvel movies, I don't know if it makes my top five, to be honest. It's not, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. There's just, there's a lot of good ones out there. Yeah. So you got five A's in other Marvel movies. Yeah. Five A's. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we can talk about that when we talk about Marvel movies. Yeah. We'll do that. I'm going to keep that close to my heart until then. Yep. Yeah. I just spoiled my number one, but I think everyone knew that already. (laughs) Yeah. We have talked about that a little bit already. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, that's it. That is Shang-Chi. We both obviously love this movie. Couldn't recommend it more. So go see it, and we will see you next time on Cocktails and Scenes. Until then, follow us, like us, Mm -hmm. subscribe, leave reviews. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate it. And before we go, do we want to talk about what we're doing next week? Uh, Next week, we are. Yeah, we're doing something next week. We are... It's somebody's birthday. <laughs> it is my birthday next week, so we are every doing year, what Will wants. Every Will year wants. on our birthdays, this year was Wayne's birthday, was 420, so he wanted to do some yep. stoner movies, like mm-hmm. the old stoner he is. Um, <laughs> this yep. one, I wanted to have fun uh, and do something that was kind of nostalgic to me. Uh, and kind of thinking about growing up and what I watch a lot. So I went with Adam Sandler movie. So we're going to be talking about the Sandman. The and, Sandman. And his, uh, his top five movies. So uh, we have that to look forward to next week. That's it. Wayne, anything else? <laughs> <laughs> I think we could have left it there, but. Yeah. Yeah, right. sure. All right. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> cheers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.